For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, speaking on the thought of a message, the grace of God. So this man went to church and he sat down and they had this preacher and they were having like this healing service, right? And, and so, you know, it was a wild preacher and the, and the preacher came down into the aisles and he was laying hands on people and pronouncing things over them. And this man, it was his first time at this church and this guy was prophesying and, and, uh, and, uh, and so he's like, oh, I hope he doesn't come to me. And he did. So the preacher came up to the man and, he, and he, he put his hands on the man's head. And he said, the Lord spoke to me today by the grace of God. Young man, you are going to walk today. And took his hands off and, and he walked down the aisle. And the man said, excuse me, I'm not paralyzed. And uh, so the preacher was going down and the preacher came back again. Put his hands on the man's head. The grace of God and his son Jesus Christ has a message for you, young man. You will walk today. And so the man's like, ain't no telling this crazy preacher anything. So he just didn't say anything. He let the preacher go. And, and the service ended. And uh, the man got up from his, uh, his pew and, and walked out. And be like, man, that preacher, he's so ignorant. I'm never coming back to this church. There's nothing wrong with me. What do you mean I'll walk today? Walk to the parking lot, and his car was gone. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to walk today. But you know what? We better be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath because God knows what he's talking about. And you know that I found out because the grace of God was a word that I really thought was kind of a cop-out that people say, oh, but the grace of God, and they would, they would live uh, and use that word. Oh, well, sin, where it did abound, the grace of God did much more abound, and they would use that word to live in sin. So it's a word that I understood in the wrong way for many years of my Christian life until serving God, I began to realize, you know, we can think that we know what we're talking about. Well, I can walk. I'm not paralyzed. I don't need the grace of God. Brethren, we need the grace of God. The grace of God that has appeared to all men. It's the grace of God that Paul said, we're saved by grace. You know that I used to think that the emphasis here was on our faith, and it is. We need faith, and that's the one work, if you please, that God needs us. We need to participate in his grace through faith in the work that Jesus did on the cross. So if there's one work that gets you saved, it's not a work, but we have to participate in the grace of God. We have to be a willing participant in the work of God. So that's one thing that I understand even more now, but uh, when you are adopted, we've been predestinated, the Bible says, to the adoption of children. You know that you can adopt an adult? I thought it was just kids, but my brother-in-law adopted his adult. Uh, well, now it's her daughter, you know, uh, uh, his wife's daughter from a previous relationship and they got married and she's a grown-up but he adopted her but you know that you have to allow someone to adopt you and that's exactly what God wants us to do by faith in the atoning death of Jesus Christ we allow Jesus Christ 
to adopt us into his grace. And that's where we have all been predestinated to. Now we have to agree to it. God won't take you and snatch you up and say, you're a member of my family now. Now he would if he could, man, I would love it. If water baptism saved you, I would love to have a waterfall here and man, just turn it on and, you know, just baptize someone when they walked out. But I can't do that because you see, we have to have faith in what Jesus did. It's our choice to accept what Jesus did. Amen. So, but the grace of God is, is God's divine favor. God's divine love. God's divine kindness towards us. The Bible says by grace, by God's divine favor. We love him, the Bible says, because he first loved us. So the first thing I'd like to share about the grace of God, the kindness of God, it's personal. It's personal. There was a man that wrote a song called Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch. And then he didn't say like you, (laughs) but he said like me. It was a personal testimony. Say, well, what was Newton anyway? I thought he was a preacher that wrote that song. Yes, he was a preacher. Do you know what his previous occupation was? There's much talk about it nowadays. It's about slavery. He was a slave trader. He was a wicked man. I mean, as wicked as you can get, that was him. And you say, well, preacher, why would God save someone like him? That's right. It's amazing grace. And you know that Paul wasn't a slave trader, but before Paul got saved, uh, he was uh, imprisoning men and women who were Christian. He had this religious authority. It didn't mean, it didn't matter if you were a child. It didn't matter if you were a woman. He would throw you into the pokey and you would be in prison. But the Bible said God's amazing grace came to the Apostle Paul. You know that we need to stop looking at who we are and get focused on the grace of God. That the power, there's power of the grace of God to us, to ye. So the Bible says, for by grace, ye. That's the first word, is you. God shows his grace personally to us. I remember when I got saved and I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I don't remember one word the preacher said. The whole service except in the altar call when he was dealing with me about giving my heart to Jesus Christ because that's what you have to do. And that's where we have to participate. The Bible said we're saved by grace through faith, through that trust in the atonement of Christ. And uh, so eventually I, 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 I prayed and gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I remember walking back, uh, I was in my barracks room and I'm just like stunned because I didn't know what happened to me. I didn't know what the salvation stuff was, but I just remember being in my barracks room and I was just like, I don't know what happened. I've been to churches before. I've been to churches. I had a Bible in my room growing up, but here was this grace of God that became personal. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, you know, I found out that the world was taken out of that scripture in my name for God so loved Adam. The grace of God became so personal. And I remember that I came, I came back into my barracks room. I, I share this all the time, but I had dirty magazines under my bed or somewhere. And, and I just remember 
taking them out and throwing them in the dumpster. There was no preacher there. I don't think I even had a Bible in my room. But the grace of God had appeared to me. And it just made me a new creature. And I'm like, man, what happened? It was personal. You know that grace doesn't come by works. It came by the God's works. It's personal. The Bible declares that in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, who his own self, now it was personal to Jesus, bear our sins in his own body on the tree. You see, the cross is the central message of Christianity because the grace of God that is free to us was not free to him. And you know, that's one thing I don't under, didn't understand, that the real grace of God, it cost Jesus everything. It cost him his life on the cross. It cost him humiliation. It cost him to be spit on. And the crown that Jesus came and wore was not a crown of gold, but a crown of thorns. The Bible says that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were It's personal. The Bible said when Jesus came, he didn't come with works. It says, for the law was given by Moses. What is that? You do this and you're okay. But the Bible said grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It's personal. That God came to give you a personal relationship with his grace. You know, I, I took my daughter to the pediatric ophthalmologist Do you know that that word is so long that when I typed it in, there was a red line under it, which means I typed it in incorrectly. So I tried it again and the red line was still under it, which means you typed it incorrectly, which means I didn't even know how to spell it. It was such a long word. So I had to hit replace. And then on my iPad, it's ophthalmologist. It's O-P-T-H-T-H or something like that. There's a big right in the middle of that word. And what is that? The longer the word, the more expensive the doctor visit, okay? If you go to some long, 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 long word, it's not just going to the eye doctor. The pediatric ophthalmologist is like an eye surgeon, okay? So my daughter was getting checked out for some different things, and she had some, uh, we didn't choose this, and, uh, but it chose us. So we were going to get her checked out, and migraines and different things, and so they're taking pictures. You know they can take a picture of the back of your eyeball? And they can look inside, so they have this, this camera, and they, you open your eye, and they can see back, and there's the, the optic nerve in the back of your eyeball that hooks it to your brain. And I'm looking in there, and they're shining this thing in Emma's, Emma's front of her eyeball, and I'm like, cool. And you can see, like, the back of her eye and everything. It's like, that's not going to be in your high school yearbook, okay? You're not going to see the back of your eye. Most of us will probably never see the back of your eye. And you say, oh, preacher, yeah, but how much does it cost? Right. I was looking around and said, this is a nice place. And I told my wife, mm-mm, it wasn't CC's Pizza. There no $5 pizzas in there. So I'm looking around. It's like, it's a nice place. What costs? You know when it's a nice place? It's a nice place for a reason. So what kind of medical insurance do you have? 100% covered by Jesus Christ, okay? (laughs) That's my medical care. Jesus Christ medical care, okay? So we uh, got to see the doctor, and he checked her out and did different things. And and then he he said, he looked at me, and he goes, "Um, well, you guys have waited around for a while. And he said, I'm just not going to charge you. And I was just like... 
said, preacher, was it going to be uh, like $100? Uh, look how much a pediatric ophthalmologist costs. Okay, It varies by how many tests you get, but it can be just anyone's. You can throw it up in the air. But let me tell you what. It would have been a lot of money. But what did he say? You're good. Say, how are you going to do that? Because he was the doctor. He was one of the owners of the practice. And so basically, I'm sharing that that is what the grace of God is. When you come to Jesus Christ, you just come and say, God, just take me. And he goes, you're good. I paid your debt in sin. My blood shed for you. And you just get up and walk away new. Say, preacher, but that's not fair. No, but this man, the owner ate the cost. The owner had to pay for the building. The owner had to pay all of those people that saw Emma before he saw Emma. He paid the Christ, the price. It wasn't free for him. But brothers, sisters, it was free to me. And that is what the grace of God is. It's personal. But it's a blessing. The Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know that when wickedness was upon the earth, it said violence filled the earth. You know, they're even ambushing police. One in Houston, Texas, a man just came up and just shot a bunch of police with an AR-15. That's just violence. And it's flooding not just America, but it's all around the world. There's violence and hatred. And, but it says Noah found grace. You know what? Not only is it a personal thing, but grace is powerful. It's powerful. The Bible says, by grace are ye saved. I want to emphasize not ye, but the word saved, delivered. You see, this is the grace of God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 2 and 7, that in the ages to come, that in the, the multitude of time to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. You know, God's just getting started with your life. You think that that was something? It's a preacher, but I'd rather pay for it. Well, God also gave me the grace to, if he charged me full price, I told my wife, do you remember this? Whatever he charges us, we're just going to pay it. We didn't know. Say, so, a preacher, what, I didn't want to know. <laughs> You know, have you ever gone to the auto dealer and they, they tell you what it's going to cost to fix your car? And it's like, go to like a Midas or something and you go in for a brake check. They're like, that'll be $5,000 if we can get it all fixed today for you. Like, what? And that's, it's like, man, this isn't a medical school. This is a car repair place. My car is only worth a thousand bucks. I'm not going to put $5,000 into it. Amen. But the Bible says that the... In the ages to come, here's what God's desire is for you. And God has the power to do it. That in the ages to come, that in eternity to come, you know, this life is a very small part of eternity. I don't want to sell my eternity out for just this little part of life. This life goes quick, okay? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You know, God's got a design and a plan for your life that doesn't end here. It's going to go on for eternity with him. And God is going to be blessing you through eternity. I'm looking forward to a heavenly Harley. I said, preacher, there's no Harleys in heaven. It might not be called a Harley. But if you ever read Ezekiel, God rides on something. God just doesn't walk around. He walked with Adam, but God's got this like, have you ever read Ezekiel with all the wheels? 
and the eyes full of it's just like this this weird like spacecraft that I mean weird because it's never been seen by mankind and it's just it's just moving around and it's like lightning speed but you probably don't have to wear a helmet because you're going to be glorified anyway so i want one of those in my garage i don't know if it's going to be as cool as god's but i'll take the electric version i mean i don't care maybe there's going to be a filling station with angels and you just have a gas station on every street i don't know it's fossil fuels but guess what if god made it, it's gonna last but you know that god has have you ever thought about heaven and what goodness is gonna be that in the ages to come god's gonna bless you paul said i don't frustrate the grace of god you know the grace of god's powerful he said, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. You know, when, we, when we're taught how to shoot in the Marine Corps, you basically had to be very still and let the weapon do its job. That's what you had to do. You weren't like a gangster where you're kind of pushing, your, you know, pushing the round down range with your arm. Those guys can't hit anything. They'll do a drive-by and shoot like 40 times and totally miss the person they're trying to assassinate. I'm like, really? They weren't trained in the Marine Corps, okay? But if you just isolate that weapon and let it do its job, that's what Paul said about the grace of God. If I have to do a bunch of stuff, then Christ is dead in vain. But let me, Paul said, here's the power of the grace of Jesus. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. This is the preceding verse. He said, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's what the grace of God does. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know when Noah found grace in the eyes of God? You know what Noah built? He built an ark. He was told to build a big boat. And the thing was huge. It was like four. Now, it was based on the cubit. And there's not like a cubit on your ruler, okay? A cubit is the measurement from your elbow to the tip of your finger. So it's an ancient measurement. There's various measurements that are allotted for the cubit, okay? But if the cubit was 18 inches, then the arc was 450 feet long. That's longer than a football field, including the end zones. That's 360 feet, right? It was 450 feet long. So just keep on going, right? Because it was longer. Doesn't matter for Jacksonville because they never used part of that. Anyway, so, but that was really bad, wasn't it? So go Jacksonville. Maybe they'll fly all the way to England and win. But, and then it was 25 yards or 75 feet wide. And then there were three stories, 15, you know, so that each one was 15 feet high. They had to put two of every animal on there and preserve all life. It was to preserve life. But if you ever read the dimensions of the ark, you know what it looked like? It didn't look like Jeff Bezos' yacht. It wasn't all aerodynamic. There was no engine room, right? There was no paddle. There were no paddles for the ark. There were, you know, the elephants weren't on treadmills, you know. There was no methane gas that they made into, you know. There was nothing. If you look at what it looks like, it was really long, kind of narrow and tall. It looked like a coffin. Oh, okay. The Bible says, well, why would the ark look like a coffin? If you just hold on for a second, I'll show you. Because the ark was representative of what Christ was going to do to bring us his grace. So notice all of the people were getting on. And even the ancient, if you look at the ancient uh, Chinese symbol for flood, 
It's like this symbol for eight is in there because it was Noah, his wife, and the sons-in-law and their wives. There was eight, there were eight souls and an ancient Chinese character for flood. One of the symbols that makes that up is the number eight. It's not just something that's in a storybook. This really happened. And so the Bible says that he was told to do something. He had to waterproof this boat. So the Bible says, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark and thou shalt poly seal it. No, thou shalt pitch it within and without. That's exactly what he said. Now, what was the pitch? It was some type of tar that they would make the boat waterproof so all of the seams didn't leak water. Well, that's important when you're making a boat, right? Because especially if your boat's made out of metal, because metal generally doesn't float. Okay, unless you displace the water with it. But he said, you've got to make it waterproof. Well, the word pitch is what we like to focus on. It's the same word that is used in Leviticus for the word atonement. In the ark, it was sealed by the atonement of God. What was the atonement? It was the blood of Jesus Christ. What does atonement mean? It means to reconcile, to forgive. And the ark was showing that the death, it looked like a coffin, right? Of Christ and his atoning blood, which sealed in that promise, kept Noah alive in the coffin. It's interesting because Jesus died. I am crucified with Christ. But what did Paul say? I'm not dead. He said, nevertheless, I live. You see, the power of the message of the ark said that although everyone else died, he got kept alive in this state of being dead to the world, dead to his old life, and alive unto God. God gives us the power to live through his grace. It's powerful. The Bible says, by grace are ye saved. And you know that grace is a delivering word. It can take you from there to there. Because his kindness is powerful. And the last thing is kindness, the grace of God, is practical. You know, the grace of God isn't just a Sunday thing. The grace of God is a Monday thing. The grace of God, if you read the book of Ephesians, it starts with the grace of God. It'll leak into your marriage. <gasps> what do you mean? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ, what? Forgave you. So also do ye. You see, when we receive the grace of God, have you ever gotten some, something just given to you? It makes you feel charitable if you've received charity. If God has forgiven you, it makes you want to be forgiven. If God did something for you, it makes you want to do something for God. Say, preacher, but just the grace is why you're supposed to accept the grace of God and do nothing. No, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, grace will get you on the move. The Bible said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Because when God bestowed his grace on Paul, notice, but I labored more abundantly than they all. You know, the grace of God will get you to go to work for him. 
not in the legalism, not because it makes you something, but because of what God did for you. I just want to do something for God. And then Paul said, yet not I, but the grace of God, which is with me. I was at this job site and I was trying to get off the job site. I was taking tile like up the stairs, like three levels or whatever. It was at the uh, Jacksonville University. So they had these dorms and you had to walk up these stairs with one box of tile, walk down the stairs, walk up the stairs, one box of tile. And I'm like, I was trying to get off to go be a blessing to somebody and I think take them somewhere. And uh, it wasn't going to happen. I calculated how long it took to take each box up and it wasn't going to work. And so... I don't know if I prayed, but this guy came just out of nowhere with a, one of those little forklifts, can lift things up, job site forklift. They call it a lull. It's got four wheels and, a, and it has this boom that can squirt up really high. So he just grabbed some tile and he lifted it up to the top for me. And I'm like, thank you. I didn't even know the guy. And he was all gruff, right? But he goes, he goes, I didn't do it for you. I did it for God. And I'm like, great. You really did it for God. Because you see, I was the one who was trying to get up. But you see, when you live by the grace of God, no, you're not doing it for someone else. You're doing it for God. Do you believe he was a Christian? Man, I believe God spoke to his heart. Because it all worked together for good. He was being a blessing, not to me, but he was just doing what God wanted him to do. But it was a blessing to me. Man, it saved my back so I can pick my daughter up. Praise God. But you see, the grace of God is practical. Have you ever seen Star Wars? Remember Han Solo, that he realized he wasn't like a Jedi or anything, was he? I don't think so. He's a mercenary. But you know, he kind of got hip to this thing that Luke was all about. Now, Luke was all about what? The Force. And I remember Han Solo kind of got mellowed a little bit, and he goes, Luke. He didn't say, see you later, buddy. You know what he said? He said, may the Force be with you. He realized that the force was something that you had to have with you. The Bible says, by grace are ye saved. Grace is a present tense thing. Hey, John, John. Oh, John, John, you're not getting out of here without a prize. By grace are ye saved. You know how Paul ends all of his letters? Have you read the end of Colossians and Thessalonians and Ephesians? He wrote probably half of the New Testament. You know how he ends all of his letters? Grace be with you. 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 Those aren't flowery words. He's just like Han Solo saying, hey, may the force be with you. So but I thought the force was the spirit of God. Brethren, the grace of God is the power of God. He said, hey, may the grace go with you. May the grace stay with you. May the power of God stay with you. Not your works. Not in works of righteousness, which we have done. But he saved us by his hand, by his power, by his precious blood, so that his grace could be with us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Thessalonians 5 and 28. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. It's the grace of God. By grace are. Say, preacher, are you living by the grace of God? Yes. Every breath by the grace of God. Every thought by the grace of God. And my family by the grace of God. We drive by the grace of God. And you know what? We look forward to the keeping practical grace of God to help us to do 
what he needs us to do to reach a dying and lost world that needs Jesus. And the grace of God makes a difference. And the grace of God's not far away. The grace of God is closer than you think. The Bible says, by grace are ye saved through faith. And the Bible said that that word of faith is nigh thee. It's even in your mouth. Even the faith which we preach that the Bible said, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, just like that, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised them from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The grace of God's right there. And I'd like to leave with this illustration. This preacher said, we're often in the position of a ship I read of years ago, which was in distress on the high seas because her supply of fresh water had run out. The crew was liable to die the most horrible of deaths by thirst. And that with water all around him, so you're on the ship and water's all around you, but you can't drink. (laughs) When hope was almost given up, they sighted a ship in the far distance. At once they hoisted the signals of distress and the only answer they got was dip it up, which means lower a bucket and just dip it up. And it says, what heartless mockery to tell people to dip up buckets of salt water. They signaled it again to this ship and the, the, the ship signaled back. Same answer, dip it up. In despair, this ship with no fresh water, they lowered a bucket right where they were. And they brought it back up. True story, imagine their amazement and their joy when the water proved to be fresh, living water. There was in reality no miracle or mystery. They thought they were on the high seas, whereas in fact they were at the mouth of the mighty Amazon River. So all this fresh water was flowing right around them, right pushing that salt water away. Brethren, the grace of God is just like that. There can be death and dying all around you, but the grace of God just kind of flows right through there. And we can have the freshness, although things are falling apart, yet all of the infinite resources of a good and a loving God are right around us. Well, what do we need to do? We need to dip it up. And to dip up the grace of God. It's personal, powerful, and it's practical. With heads bowed and eyes closed in reverence to the Lord. Have you dipped it up? Have you said, Jesus, I need forgiveness of my sins. And Jesus like, well, I'll pay for it. But God, I'm no good. Well, it's not about your good or no good. It's about how good God is. (laughs) And the goodness of God in Christ Jesus is sufficient to forgive your sins but it won't stop there the blood of Jesus will not only forgive your sins but the blood of Jesus will make you a new creature the Bible said that them that are in Christ are new creature old things if any man be in Christ he's a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new and all things brethren all things are of God And if God can take you and keep you and make you new, He can keep you and make you a worker for His glory. It's the grace of God. Say, preacher, what do I need to do? Stop being thirsty and dip it up. Don't go searching for the grace of God. It's right there. Dip it up and and drink as much of the grace of God until you're satisfied. 
until the world doesn't give you uh, desires anymore. Get full of God and His grace. Let's find a place to pray. You can pray there at your chairs. You need something and you need to dip something up. Why don't you come to an altar and dip up the grace of God. Dip it up because He's here and He's listening to your needs. Would you speak to Him now? God. 